Hey listeners, before we get to the action, we want to tell everyone about Zoss Films, bringing you the best in Michigan film and entertainment. Uh, Bill of Zoss Films, who's been on our show a few times, has a new podcast underway, and we want to encourage everyone to go check it out. Uh, you can find him on the web at ZossFilmsPodcast.com. Awesome. Definitely go check that out. Rated Z for Zossin. Oh. <laughs> Welcome back to the past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything eighties, nineties, and early two thousands. I'm your host Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey guys. Welcome to episode thirty-three and a third. Uh, Brian, it's episode forty-five. Oh. Although, I might have a guess now as to why maybe you don't like Modest Mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I haven't heard a vinyl joke that bad, Paul, since 78. RPMs. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, I'd been waiting a year for us to get to episode 45 so that I could make a vinyl joke, and this is the best I got. <laughs> See, I thought 33 and a third was a Naked Gun reference, so uh shows what I know. <laughs> you know, I... Damn. I never <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, if you missed our last episode, you should really check it out when the gang and I talked about legendary author Stephen King. You can find that in all of our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com, on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. I found mine on the floor of Brian's car under the seat. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You dropped it when you were getting out of the car the other day. I'm sure there's got to be like... You know, a couple bucks worth of quarters, a couple french fries. Yeah, the french fries tasted pretty good. Gotcha, gotcha. Hell, I'm still there. If I can find my keys, we can drive out. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a joke to ask your parents about, kids. But moving on, we really appreciate our listeners' support, and we'd like to share some of those kind words left by one of those listeners on Google Music about our show. If you'd like to leave us a five-star written review on iTunes or any other podcasting platform, we'll find it. Don't ask me how, but we do. Uh, We would definitely love to read it on air. It's a way to say thanks. So, here's our five-star review this week. It's from, I'm sorry if I butchered this, Rich Akev or Rich Akev. It says, nicely done. Love listening to these. Maybe it's Russian. Yeah. Rishikev. <laughs> Rishikev. Well, thank you, Rishikev. Five-star reviews are always encouraged, and be sure to tell your friends about Dating Ourselves podcast. Let's get this started. This week, I'm very excited. I'm going to be leading a discussion on that Pacific Northwest post-grunge, post-punk revival, post-apocalyptic, post-everything, <laughs> Brian's favorite indie rock band, Modest Mouse. Oh, Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> hold, your, hold on to your horses and your hats. <laughs> uh, I have neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember, we will pick next episode's topic at the end of the show. It's going to be nostalgic combat. 
Nostalgia Combat! That's right. Me with the WB channel and Adam with Pokemon Red and Blue. We'll also visit our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, to get another topic for Paul. So, Paul, tell us about this post-punk shit fest. <laughs> Who wrote that? <laughs> Dang it, I thought we sent this to the editor. Yeah, did I just get myself? That, that, that can't be. <laughs> well, since it is your favorite band and, you know, I wrote the outline, I figured I would include some notes there for you. Terrific, terrific. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> so... Brian, for you, and just for you, I have prepared two sets of notes. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Because I know how much you love Modest Mouse. Oh, I am prepared to talk for the next two, two and a half hours about Modest Mouse (laughs) doing my impression of Jeremiah Green. (laughs) And to give you an idea of what type of person he is, if Jeremiah Green invented sushi... He would market it as it's like cold raw fish, man. <laughs> it just you know, it just, it's all it all sticks together. You just take it apart and serve it. You don't need to heat it up. That's bad. It'll kill you. <laughs> you know what I mean, man? <laughs> I do, man. Or I do. <laughs> I can throw those notes together and we can talk about Power Rangers. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know what I want to talk about. <laughs> Modest okay. Mouse it is then. Oh, Let's no. do this. Oh no. <laughs> you poked yourself, Brian. Oh, I, I hesitated too long. You did. <laughs> How are you doing, by the way? Me? T- yeah, so what? before I start, what is the, your disdain with Modest Mouse? I mean, I have my reasons for not liking them, but it really seems to get under your skin. And I really enjoy watching you squirm. And so I I just, I got to know. I mean, we could certainly start the episode with this or or, or we can go into some of their history. I mean, okay, (laughs) it's up to you. (laughs) No, I'll go there and I will come back to this question multiple times. So, Modest Mouse is an indie rock band formed in 92 in Issaquah, Washington. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If not, Urban Dictionary led me astray. Because (laughs) for some reason, when I Google searched it, there was no, like, nice Webster's Dictionary, uh, you know, soundbite to tell me how to, um, just how to, you know, pronounce that. Uh, So I'm going with Issaquah. Just a like city it. as big as Issaquah, you'd think they would have a pronunciation guide. I mean, you'd come think. on. <laughs> um, since then, the band is now based more in Portland, and it definitely makes sense because they definitely have a Portlandia feel. Uh, the founding <laughs> That's putting members... it nicely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you are with that hostility again, but you just won't get it off your chest. Oh, I'm sorry. What's proceed, your favorite proceed. episode of The X-Files? <laughs> oh, there's just so many good ones you know <laughs> is it the one where isaac brock was in the woods there's they're in the woods with the stuff and the thing and there's a yep. helicopter 
that narrows it down. <laughs> anyway, back to uh, Modest Mouse. The founding members are uh, lead singer guitarist Isaac Brock, who uh, I've watched many interviews with him, and he seems like an interesting dude. Uniquely, he has a lisp, and I don't bring that up to knock him. It's actually kind of impressive that he, you know, has had a, such a successful music career with a lisp, and it kind of adds like a unique feel. You know what I mean? Like it's. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it. And I always thought there was something different in his voice when I was listening to their songs and I couldn't quite, you know, place it. And then watching the interview is like, oh, that's it. He has a lisp. And I just thought that was kind of an interesting fact. I, I don't, you know, I'm hmm. not knocking yeah. anybody with a lisp. I think it's not that I think a lisp is cool, but you guys know what I'm saying. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like um, there's there's something I've noticed over the span of a lot of years of listening to music that's kind of similar there there must be something about the how your mouth works when you're singing compared to speaking because i like so many british bands in particular lose their british accent as soon as they start singing like a great example being the rolling stones the beatles like a lot of those bands that had british singers you can't trace that British accent at all while they're singing. So it must be something about the mechanics behind singing make those things kind of go away. It's it's interesting like, though because that's not necessarily the case for every singer because you could think no. about like uh what's his face? Uh is it Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols? Oh yeah. yeah. He, he sounds yeah. like total cockney like like some type of like Oliver Twist character. <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. in the UK! You know, very, well, very British. And then, and then there's the opposite, where Billy from Green Day sounds British when he's singing, even though he's from California. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I always thought he was British when I first started listening to them. <laughs> then I was like, oh, no, California, definitely not in Britain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read a really interesting article about um, uh, accents in punk music because they were talking about where Tom DeLonge from Blink-182 gets his accent. And they actually went back like a whole, whole way far back into into music. And like you were saying, a lot of rock and roll basically started in the United States in the 1950s with people like Chuck Berry and Little Richard and groups like that. And Mm -hmm. the British kind of latched onto that and so they tried to hide their british accents so you get bands like the stones or zeppelin who don't sound british at all trying to emulate american style and then you fast forward to the next wave and then there's a whole bunch of americans that are trying to sound british and it would <laughs> ping pong back and forth and back and forth and then eventually you get like the sex pistols who are just like to hell with it we're gonna sound as british as we possibly can <laughs> same with the clash and so um, the the author's thesis was that that's essentially what Blink-182, Tom DeLonge, and that whole mid to late 90s pop punk movement was, is just, all right, well, if you're going to be as British as possible, we're going to be as Californian as possible. Oh, so they have all the small things and um, say dude and cool, you know. 
It's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll see if I can find the the article and link it on our, our social media because it's actually a really fascinating yeah. read and completely not at all what we're talking about, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's okay. I'm sure you'd rather talk about this than Modest Mouse. <laughs> oh, boy. So we brought up uh, Isaac Brock, who is the band leader, lead singer, uh, lead guitarist. We have drummer Jeremiah Green. Uh, Jeremiah Green really seems like a person that's afraid of everything. Like, he just, he's very, like, I guarantee you, I couldn't find confirmation of this anywhere, but I guarantee you they named the band after him. Because oh. Modest Mouse oh. perfectly describes his, he, he doesn't seem like, he's got, like, almost no emotion when he's talking about things. He's just kind of there, man, and, like, he feels very strongly about, you know, the sprawling urban uh, landscape and how everything's getting, all those beautiful fields are getting paved over by mini malls and how things were just coming around Seattle. But he never gets excited, at least not until he's on the drums and then he's like uh, it's like a different personality takes over and it's kind of cool to watch unless you're just watching him talk in an interview in preparation for a podcast for hours and hours in which case you start to have nightmares about him you know trying to sell cold raw fish to you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then finally uh, the third founding member is bassist Eric Judy. Um, the band, you know, Modest Mouse is strongly influenced by Talking Heads, uh, Pavement, um, Pixies, yeah, you can definitely You can definitely hear the Pixies in their sound for sure. Oh, yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they like to categorize themselves as uh, post-punk. They're, you know, post-grunge. Um, I don't, I hear a little bit of everything depending on their album. And to be honest, like, is there a folk punk? Is that a category? Yeah. I don't know if it's technically a category, but that's how I would describe the Lumineers. So (laughs) I've definitely seen bands online that are categorized as like folk punk or punk folk. It's yeah, it's for sure a thing. I, uh, especially Hmm. a lot on Reddit. A lot of bands are labeled, uh, not a lot, I should say, but I've seen multiple times bands, videos that are labeled as folk punk. Well, there you go. (laughs) That's just, this is just my opinion. They're, you know, official genre. They, you know, they're listed as, you know, indie alternative and post-punk. But to me... each of their albums, I don't want to say the album as a whole tells a story, but they it's just kind of got that storytelling-driven nature in most of their songs, and then every now and then they'll throw one in that just means nothing, like, let's do the cockroach. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it it just kind of is, but to me, they, they have, like, a folk nature about it, and like all good folk bands, they have their roadies that follow them. And just like you saw with the Beastie Boys and Tenacious D, if you go on YouTube and search Modest Mouse, you will find all of these like half hour, 45 minute documentaries that are just done by fans that like, yeah, man, we followed them from California to Washington, D.C., man. And we hit all these cities in between. And it's just they've definitely like they're mixed up in that subculture, which is kind of cool. 
Yeah. And really, that's where a lot of their popularity came from because, you know, they didn't start, become popular. You know, they didn't have the internet. They actually got on the road and they just went on tour and they just did their thing. Um, Isaac Brock was born in Helena, Montana. Uh, during his childhood, he lived with his mother and sister in uh, an Oregon hippie commune before moving <laughs> big to Issaquah. Yeah, big surprise. <laughs> Couldn't tell that. Actually, I don't know. I would have gotten that vibe more from uh, Jeremiah Green than I did from Isaac Brock. <laughs> but you definitely can see some of his upbringing in their music. So he you know, spent some time in a hippie commune. And uh, they were also uh, part of a Christian religious sect, which was a similar type commune thing where he was like an altar boy type thing, sang in the choir. And um, it kind of reflected on him and he sort of moved away from religion and he now considers himself to be an atheist, which is why they have a lot of songs uh, like Cowboy Dan shooting at God. Um, hmm. things like that. And it definitely comes out in their music. It's not like he's, you know, out there screaming it, but it's definitely like a core part of his beliefs. Uh, in the, uh, late eighties, his mother's house flooded three times and she was forced to move, uh, into her future husband's trailer. And that became the inspiration for the song trailer trash. <laughs> so, so I'm sure he must've really enjoyed that experience. <laughs> Well, in a lot of interviews, he said that it really wasn't that bad. I mean, he said he was a kid. You ride your bike around the tra- you know, around the trailer park. It's no different than neighborhood. You really just kind of, he just sort of like took it as inspiration and then embellished it. And hmm. overall, he really doesn't have anything bad to say about living in a trailer park. He kind of enjoyed it. Interesting. Um, the, the, the term trailer trash. I don't know. I think it's an interesting choice for a song title, but... So they moved back into their his mother's house, and uh, the house flooded a uh, fourth time, and he asked to stay there when they all went back to the trailer, and he actually stayed in his room in the flooded house for a whole year, and then uh, actually built a shed on the land next to it, and that shed is where the band members would gather and practice, and that's kind of where Modest Mouch emerged. He actually lived in a shed that he built himself on his mother's property between the house in his stepfather's trailer. Jeez. And he says over and over again he didn't have a bad upbringing. It was just non-traditional. That's definitely one way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jeremiah Green was born in 77. Um, You know, I've mentioned him a bunch of times. He's the drummer. He was born in Hawaii. Uh, His father was in the Army, so they traveled around a lot before settling in Moxie, Washington. They moved to the Seattle area in 89, which is closer to Issaquah, which is how he ended up meeting uh, Brock. And then they came in with Eric Judy later. Uh, Green Hmm. could speak a little bit of Japanese, which I thought was kind of cool from moving around in, uh, you know, moving around the army with his dad. In uh, track six of um, on Night of the Sun, I can't think of the name of the song. I just remember it was track six. In the opening, he speaks a little bit of Japanese. No idea what he was saying, um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's cool. While I've sent, mentioned a bunch of times already that Green is very mellow, low-key till he gets behind the drums, he has actually played in a bunch of bands. Uh, Satisfact, uh, Red Stars Theory, uh, Veils, Psychic Emperor, like, Wow. I, any of those bands <laughs> ringing a bell with you guys, I've never heard of any of them, Mm-mm. but uh, people on Reddit seem to be very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I'm not into the Seattle indie rock scene, but there's a whole huge part of the country that is, and it's not just Seattle, apparently. Yeah, well, yeah, I know I've heard of a couple of them. I can't say that I'm familiar with any of their stuff, but some of the names do sound familiar. So uh, the third and final fo- uh, founding member bassist, uh, Eric Scott Judy, and I am going to read to you his entire Wikipedia page in a minute or less. Oh, terrific. <laughs> because it is hilarious. Eric Scott Judy is the former bass guitarist. He is no longer with the band. Uh, founding member and occasional backing vocalist on the indie rock band Modest Mouse. During a Modest Mouse tour in Japan, a band looking for a name approached Judy and asked him to name their band. Judy, who was intoxicated at the time, wrote down, Ogre, you asshole and said, how about this? <laughs> years later, the name stuck. When the band met them again years later, uh, they went to thank Judy for their band, and Judy did not recall the event at all. <laughs> so when you hear a band name like Ogre You Asshole that came from a, you know, Japanese or from a Japanese tour, you immediately have to go to their Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh, and- it's linked. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Ogre You Asshole is a Japanese rock band formed in Nagano, Nagano uh, taking influences from Modest Mouse, Talking Heads, and Can. They were signed to major label VAP in 2009 and have been praised by notable guitarist Johnny Marr, who is a later member of Modest Mouse, who comes and goes. <laughs> Ogre so, You Asshole. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very interesting name. <laughs> I wonder how Shrek feels I, about it. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I feel like that might be a reference to Revenge of the Nerds, but I could be wrong. Oh, no, you, I mean, that is a quote from, I didn't even think about that, but that is a quote right. from okay. Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought. That was the first thing that popped into my head when I heard that. So I'm glad I'm not crazy, because I could have sworn I remembered that being a quote. <laughs> so, um... The band met each other in high school, uh, supposedly in Issaquah and the surrounding areas, kind of on the heels of the post-grunge era, you know, rock bands, or not rock bands, but like, you know, high school garage bands were all the, I mean, they're all the rage everywhere, but they were kind of on the rise and there was a whole bunch of talent from the area. So kind of everybody was playing big shows and everybody was doing the same thing and sort of knew each other. And it was such a popular thing that nightclubs were actually booking these high school bands and they would make them wait in the alley outside because they weren't old enough to get in. So they'd come into the club and then they would play their set and then they would kick them back back out to the alley till their next set and that's just absolutely <laughs> wow. crazy to me because these weren't like you know small clubs these were like you know big name places and they were just pulling in high school bands and a lot of like rock djs and record producers would just hang out in these clubs just to sample new talent originally uh these three were all playing in separate bands when they sort of ended or sort of popped into each other in one of these club gigs and that's when they got together and they started practicing in the shed and uh they you know modest mouse was born um they started uh playing together and they started doing a lot of house parties apparently it's also a big thing in the seattle area that they'll do full concerts like big bands will play when i hear house party i think of like the garage bands that we used to do in uh high school you know like the end of the year party (laughs) that we used to do in a mutual friend's garage and it usually ended with toilet paper and the police showing up 
Or the Halloween parties that always happened at one of Brian's friends' houses. Yes. <laughs> but yep. we have to protect the innocent here, or the guilty. And, it could, uh, could be both. We're not, <laughs> not going to name names, but we all know the type of parties we're alluding to. Those were those were some fun parties, though. Those I remember there was, some... there was one of those parties that we got a fire breather. Like, <laughs> yeah. the guy that would, like, drink straight rubbing alcohol and then had a burning torch that would spit the alcohol through... Well, apparently you ingest some of the alcohol, like, you know, through the blood vessels on the inside of your mouth. Even if you don't swallow any, it still, like, makes you kind of buzzed. Um, and so <laughs> he got in his car and left to go pick somebody up from someone else's house to come to the party and backed right into Adam's car. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So Adam, this was not a professional. not even in his car. <laughs> He's standing in the driveway, Here, like, 50 the... feet away. <laughs> here's the best part of the whole thing. So he was driving like his mom's minivan or something like that. <laughs> I was driving my 1994 Ford Explorer, lovingly referred to as the Juggernaut. We've mentioned that both Paul and I owned this car uh, at various points in its life cycle. Uh, however, this particular evening, this guy backs up into my car. You know, at this point, it's like 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, so... I'm kind of freaking out because I'm like, oh, man, he probably screwed up my car pretty bad and stuff because his bumper is literally hanging off, like dragging behind the car. I get up the next morning. There is not a single scratch on my car. (laughs) So he completely knocked the fender off his car. Mine didn't even have a scratch on it. So you and Paul both owned this car, but that night that car owned that kid. Uh, he had the pink slips to prove it, too. <laughs> oh, boy. So, back to uh, Modest Mouse. Um, while they had hooked up with a radio DJ from a uh, local station that they had met doing the local club thing, who really liked a lot of their stuff, and he actually bought them a van and said, you guys should go on tour. And he helped them book their first 10-day tour. It was just in the state of Washington, but it was all up and down the coastline. Uh, 10 days, and they literally graduated from high school and left two days later in a van with no money in their instruments to start touring, and they just started to balloon slowly from there, word of mouth, and, you know, their next tour was, you know, a two-state tour, and then within a year, they were going, um, you know, across the states and back. They were going all the way from Washington to D.C., New York, and then all the way back. Wow. That's pretty impressive for less than a year. Yeah, and they, that's crazy. They had like, several there's road a lot stories of, of the van breaking down and not having any money and having to figure it out as they went. And, in the, you know, this was in the 90s. So these are 18, 19-year-old kids with nothing but a trucker atlas, you know, and no money driving across the country. When I was that yeah. age, I was stupid enough to do these things too, but thankfully I never did it for long periods of time. <laughs> these guys were living in a van, man. 
Yeah, that's crazy. Were they living in a van down by the river? <laughs> that's the question. So in 90s, they released several uh, cassette tapes uh, that got distributed to various radio stations in the local area because, hmm. you know, the indie scene was big there. So they got played on the radio locally. Right. But it wasn't until 96 that they landed their first actual record contract with the indie label uh, K Records, later Up Records. And their 96 album is titled, This is a Long Drive for Someone with Nothing to Think About. <laughs> I think that's an, an, an excellent ap- name. <laughs> yes, an apt way to describe the album, too. <laughs> and to be honest, I would have to look up the track list to even tell you a song from that album. And I've listened to a lot of Modest Mouse recently. And that there's nothing to me that's actually memorable from that album outside of the name. Yeah, uh, a lot of the songs on there are, it's interesting. Like like I said, you can tell there's a lot of influence from the Pixies and stuff like that. There's also a lot of influence, I would say, from Nirvana. There's a lot of strange Kurt Cobain-esque screaming over what would otherwise be like pretty mellow guitar parts, like Think the Postal Service. Um, it's interesting. It's it. It's very different. <laughs> I am wrong. Dramamine is on that album. I love the song Dramamine. And, uh, I don't know if I hit room that one. I, I forgot it was on that album. I thought it was on Lonesome Crowded West. Uh, Dramamine was a song they refer to as their hype song. Uh, it didn't get a lot of radio playtime, but it's kind of popular in like the uh, music festival circuit. It's like the when they were the, when they were the opening act for other people. That was the song they would play to kind of try and get the uh, crowd hyped up. Right. Right. Nice. 97, their second second album that I just mentioned, uh, The Lonesome Crowded West. A uh, couple decent songs from that, um, as I try and find the... Oh, there it is. Uh, Doing the Cockroach. Uh, Doing the Cockroach was, you know... Each of their each of their albums is from a tour that they did, so they always had different categories of songs. And doing the cockroach was their warm up song, trying to get the crowd hype. Oh, okay. And um, the, another notable song from that album was uh, Cowboy Dan. Cowboy Dan is a really weird kind of a darker tone song, and that's where to me one of the reasons that it kind of screams more folk. It's definitely way different than any of the other songs on that album Hmm. it's based on a friend uh, a friend of brock's dad who they used to call cowboy dan apparently it was a nickname they gave him in high school and nobody could remember why and the song isn't really about him they just like the name so they made up this character uh called cowboy dan and uh supposedly the actual cowboy dan absolutely hated the nickname until the song came out and he's like oh yeah that's me I'm Cowboy Dan. You can hear me on the radio. <laughs> famous, true. famous, baby. Shooting my gun out the window at God. That's me. So, But yeah, from there, that's kind of when they started to really... Uh, they went back in a tour phase for a few years, and they just sort of started blowing up right around 2000 with the moon in Antarctica. And that was their first, um, la- that was their first album to go gold. Uh, it was released by Epic Records. Mm-hmm. And that would probably be around the time that I first heard of them. Although I can't say that I ever really listened to them until I was doing research for this episode. I'll be completely honest. That's fair. Yeah, I was going to say, they were uh, never a big part of my <laughs> music collection <laughs> <Shocking>. either. 
All right. So shocking, Brian. I want you to lay down here on the couch a moment. Yes. And yes. Thank you, Doctor. So when does this hostility uh, with Modest Mouse really start? Is it? Could it have something to do with their successful Garage Band? <laughs> no. No. It doesn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> so for me, um, it's it's. It's Brock's voice. It's it's real, and that this is coming from someone who listens to the Smashing Pumpkins and King Diamond and other artists who have notably difficult voices to listen to. Um, his is by far and away, in my opinion, one of the most challenging voices to listen to. There's a lot of their songs that I kind of like. You know, some of them have almost like a Lumineers quality to it, or Maps and Atlases quality to it. But then there's a lot of them, it just sounds like like Bobcat Goldthwait, like just going nuts. Just <laughs> Float On is a great example of that, where he just gets into like this. It's almost like a drunken general screaming, like "You darling, darling!" And I don't understand like what the appeal is, and the music behind it is otherwise pretty catchy. It sounds like a lot of the other stuff that was out at the time, like Franz Ferdinand and uh, the Killers' first album, but the vocals are entirely something else (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's fair (laughs) a direct quote uh because i don't know why but i hoped you were going to bring up that particular song and an actual quote from uh isaac brock on that song is i don't know man i think the spirit just took me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's that's I guess that's one way to describe your uh, your inspiration. So being young and not really knowing what we were doing really helped us make a great record. <laughs> so um, I know I've, I've talked with you guys about this before, but do you guys remember me uh, mentioning the Shags? Yes. Yes. So for those not in the know, the Shags uh, were a band in the 1960s. You can't see the air quotes I'm doing right now, but when I say band, (laughs) um, essentially there was this father and he had his palm read and it said that his daughters were going to form a massive rock band, the most successful um, female rock band of all time or something like that. Um, There were some other parts in the palm reading. I can't remember what they were. Something like he would get a house and marry his high school sweetheart or something like that. So everything else had come true. So obviously this had to be part of the prophecy. So he withdrew his girls from school and forced them to rehearse like eight or nine hours a day, but also didn't let them listen to any music. And uh, they recorded an album in the late 60s called The Philosophy of the World. And you can find this on YouTube and, and in a lot of different places. And Pretty predictably, it's not very good. Um, one critic actually described it as hauntingly bad. Um, <laughs> and that's like exactly perfect how you should describe it because it's it's kind of freaky. Um, there's a whole lot of very strange... Because they didn't listen to any music. So there's these really weird concepts of rhythm and meter. There's no particular key in any song. Um, it's... It's really bizarre, and there's no no sense of like in tune. Like it's just kind of all over the place. But a lot of people, especially on the like Pacific Northwest indie scene, have quoted um, this as actually an inspirational record to them, which makes a lot of sense <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> if you get a chance, you should really, really listen to it. Um, even if it doesn't make your like playlist rotation, it's like a mix of like 60s flower child pop with like improvisational jazz, atonal modernistic, like crazy compositions and like kids picking up toy store instruments. Like, it, I don't know. It, it's so hard to describe. Um, <laughs> it, anyway. In many cases, that's how I sometimes feel about Modest Mouse. It's <laughs> 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 the long way that long way to get. This to is it. a safe place, Brian. I'm yeah, glad that yeah. you feel comfortable sharing your feelings with our dozens of fans. I, I think one of the, the <laughs> hardest things for me about Modest Mouse is that musically, I think I would really like them if, like, literally anyone else was singing for them. And I think that's why I dislike them so much. Is like they're so close to being listenable. <laughs> <laughs> These aren't quite there. <laughs> See, to me, I, I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, but listening to the... They seem like a band that would be amazing live. That's probably like, true. It, and maybe yeah. some of that is feeling the energy or just being part of it or the drugs you take before you get into the concert. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I just get that feeling that they're... You know, some things just don't translate well when you're not in the moment. And from some of the videos that I've watched of, of the fans who, you know, you know, the roadies that record and post stuff on YouTube, I, I feel like I'm missing something watching it recorded as opposed to being there. And yeah. there's definitely a lot of, you know, I would call them show bands is probably the wrong word, but I definitely have heard other bands like that before where I just don't get that same feeling when I listen to them on cassette tape or, you know, an album and, and that I do when I'm standing there live and feeling, you know, watching the stage presence. Mm-hmm. I can definitely, definitely appreciate that. I mean, that's more or less kind of how Kiss is, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, uh, there's some, like, you listen to the record, it's like, all right, that's that's okay. You know, pretty pretty mediocre 70s rock. But then you go see them live, it's like, oh, my God, they're dressed up as, like, demons from space. And there's guitars <laughs> that are smoking. There's, you know, pulleys that are dragging them up to the rafters. There's, you know, fireworks coming fireworks out. Fireworks shooting off oh, yeah. the guitar. Yeah. It's, uh I, guess, I think that's definitely definitely possible with Modest Mouse, um, especially if that's kind of how they started. Like, they didn't start by just finding a, like a talent agent at, you know, Jive Records or something. Literally started out of a van and just toured around all these small towns in, in Washington State and eventually just kind of spread out further and further. Um, it makes they sense. Picked that, it up as they went. Yeah, it makes sense that that's how they got popular if, if their live show is is that spectacular. So <clears throat> for me, I feel like that I not to keep beating this part of it to death before we go back to my other notes, but Guster has a huge following and I greatly enjoy Guster, but uh -huh. I can't just sit and listen to Guster. Like it doesn't make its way into my, you know, workout playlist. Sure. Um, but being there at the show, you know, feeling it or, you know, just feeling the energy of the crowd, man, do they put on a great live show and it's enjoyable. And I feel the same way about down the line. And Adam is going to give me all sorts of crap. In fact, I was surprised there was no gasp. But Like when he found that I hadn't watched Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. 
so uh those of you who don't know what we're talking about with Down the Line, they are a band that was based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan, that uh, I had the pleasure of knowing several of the members of the band when they were together. They've since kind of broken up into different groups and stuff like that, but they were kind of a, they were kind of an eclectic mix of like acoustic pop, country, and blues. Their recorded stuff I really enjoyed, but the they were unbelievable live they were so much fun because it was four singers uh three of them had been well i know at least two of them maybe three of them had been in uh vocal jazz in college and stuff like that so they all had really good voices and they could make these beautiful four-part harmonies and stuff like that uh, so they were really fun live i you know i personally really enjoyed their music recorded yeah. as well but it's almost as if the Eagles did like Martin Sexton arrangements. That's a it's perfect yeah, way I, to describe it. Yeah. That's perfect because uh, they actually were really big fans of Martin Sexton. In fact, uh, you can hear one of the singers from the band on one of Martin Sexton's live albums. He yells something out on one of the recordings. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's the. It's the recording from Chicago, the the live uh, album from Chicago, and I forget what he yells. It might just be something like "You're the man, Martin," or you know, Marty, or something like that. But you can hear him yell out on the 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 first time I heard that, I was listening to it on uh, my headphones while I was mowing the lawn, I think, and all because he's got a pretty distinctive voice. So when he yelled out, it was like, holy crap, I know him. (laughs) (laughs) So 2004 marked their first international release with good news for people who love bad news. Uh, That was their first album to go platinum in the U.S. and it went gold in Canada. And I have to pause there while I mention gold in Canada because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe they have a different, you know, selling point for an album to reach gold. Is it still five hundred thousand uh, for it to be gold in Canada? I was unaware there are five hundred thousand people in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think five hundred thousand is is the maple syrup uh, record. I so. see. <laughs> we will have to discuss this if we ever do our Canadian things <laughs> right. special. That's that right. Has been in the works. Hopefully. And then I think Fingers about that's crossed. the the Tim Horton record, and then after that, I think it's gold. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then uh, the the ultimate is uh, like you know in America it's platinum. Uh, if it goes platinum in Canada, it's going Celine Dion. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Labatt. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Labatt would have been pretty good too. Crown Royal <laughs> or or Molson. <laughs> Uh, Crown Royal, yeah. 2007, we were dead before the ship even sank. Uh, that was another U.S. gold album. And 2015, Strangers to Ourselves was their last big studio album by Epic Records. Awesome. Nice. So uh, I think we kind of already mentioned it, stuff like that, but the um, album Good News for People That Like Bad News yes. was... Definitely the one that like skyrocketed their careers, and uh, that that was really when I kind of started listening to them. And I'm pretty sure that's the only like album I've really listened to. And 
you know, I know Brian doesn't like his voice and stuff like that. I kind of like that album still, though. I, I just happened to come across to, you know, Flow Don isn't necessarily the best song off of that album. There's one called Ocean Breathe Salty that's pretty catchy. Um, and there's a few others on there that Dance I really hall. like. Dance Hall, yeah, that was the other one. I don't yeah. know why, but I really like Dance Hall. Part of it could be that it's like the shortest song on the album, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God it's over. <laughs> well, I take that back. There's a horn intro that's only like 10 seconds. And yeah. In the days of, you know, making... Uh, you know, bootleg CDs and actually burning them. And then you realize that you wasted one of your available tracks on a 10 second horn intro. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a little rough. <laughs> and then your metadata doesn't match up because now you only have 15 tracks. So every song gets read wrong. Yep. Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't miss those days at all. Mm. So what's your favorite modest mouse song, Adam? I'll start with Adam before we beat on Brian some more. Okay. Um, hold on. Let me uh, let me pull it up real quick. I, uh, like the name, I can't remember the name of it. Which album? Um, it's off of uh, Good News for People That Like Bad News. So the big one from that was uh, Float On, World at Large, uh, Ocean Breeze Salty. Those, from what I remember, those were the bigger tracks off of that album. But it also had uh, Devil's Work Day, The View. Uh, Black yeah, Cadillac. Uh, I, th- I think it was the world at large. Okay. I believe. Uh, but yeah, o- Ocean Breeze Salty is probably one of my top favorite ones by them as well. And I think World at Large was the other one that I really liked. Okay. Um, what about you, Brian? What's your favorite Modest Mouse song? I think my favorite Modest Mouse song would have to be the one they wrote after Adam's favorite place to visit, which is called Ohio. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a really, really <laughs> terrific song. They actually do have a song called Ohio, though. Um, and it's really strange. He like makes his voice crack intentionally while he's singing it. I'm not really sure why he does that, but um, the I don't know. It's kind of a cool effect. Kind of a cool effect. So, Ohio. <laughs> For me, it's a toss up. It's probably Dramamine. I don't know why, but I really like that song. It's got I, I re, it's got a good energy about it. Uh, but I also really like the song King Rat off of We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank. And, oh, yeah, I forgot about that song. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, to me it's almost like a Perry Grip song. <laughs> 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 it's just, it, it made me laugh, and it's... Kind of remember that um uh crap what was the Winnie Cooper show? Wonder, Wonder Years. Wonder Years? Um, yes, Wonder Years. I don't know why it just slipped my mind, but there was an episode in that show where uh, Kevin starts a garage band with his friends, and they get booked to do a friend's birthday party, and they you know spend all their time picking out their instruments and coming up with a band name and getting flashy outfits that they never practiced or learned how to play their instruments. And uh, when they realize they <laughs> couldn't get out of it, as he's about to get on stage, he goes, "If we're not going to be good, we're going to be loud." And that's just, it just kind of, it goes silent and you just see the crowd's reaction while they're just rocking out on stage. And that's how I feel about King Rat. (laughs) I don't know why, but it just brings me joy. So that episode that you just mentioned of Wonder Years, 
that and the acting and not knowing any of the words are like literally the two nightmares that I've had the most <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I I had a, the the last time I had one of those it was um, the I, I'm still in touch with the d- guy who directed a lot of the plays that I was in in high school, uh, one of the, the teachers. And while we were talking one day, he was like, yeah, I'd really like to do like an alumni show sometime. I think that'd be really fun to do over the summer or something like that. So I had this nightmare that we did an alumni show and I was all ready to go out. And as I'm walking out on a stage, I realized that we never learned any of our lines <laughs> and I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Woke up like drenched with sweat after that one. <laughs> what play is this? <laughs> <laughs> line, <laughs> line, <laughs> line. It's the 10 commandments. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, I got this one. <laughs> oh, gosh. So another song that I have to give an honorable mention to, even though I don't really care for the song, is Night on the Sun. Um, while I was listening to it, I was just kind of like, I don't know what this is, but I kind of want them to stop playing it now. <laughs> and when I was watching the listening to it on YouTube and watching it, I scrolled down to the comments to see what people were saying. And the top-rated comment was... I'd rather listen to Night on the Sun than Stairway to Heaven. Just my opinion. What? Wow. <laughs> oh and I'm just wow. kind of like, oh, so I get it. No Night on the Sun. All right. I can respect that. <laughs> <laughs> Point at the sign. Point at the sign. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up anything I had. Any questions for me? Oh, I don't think so. No, I, I think I've... Uh... Exercised my demons. <laughs> Brian's finally gotten that off his chest yes. after fifteen years of being yeah. just, just <laughs> mentally destroyed just by this. Completed band. my uh, court mandated community service on this podcast. <laughs> well, we apologize to any Modest Mouse fans that we maybe may have offended. However, you know. It's Modest Mouse. Yeah. I certainly don't speak for everybody in my uh, my opinion of the band. I know that they are very famous and very well respected. Um, so very talented musicians, just not my cup of tea. So fair enough. Well, I think that wraps up our discussion on the mouse that is modest. Now we are moving on to have devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will lead their chat next week. Adam has Pokemon Red and Blue for Game Boy. Brian has the WB channel. You guys ready? Yes. Absolutely, let's do it. Alright. In addition to the six studio albums that we discussed, I had also mentioned that they had put out some locally released cassette tapes. They also have two compilation albums, 11 music videos, EPs, a handful of singles, a handful of B-sides, even more reissues, and a handful of cassettes. 
How many total releases has Modest Mouse done? Oh. I'm going to go with 33 and a third. Okay. (laughs) That would be perfect. (laughs) Adam? I'm going to do the... um... The jerk move from Price is Right. I'm going to go 34 releases. <laughs> I don't know how to score this one, but I think I'm going to have to give it to Adam. Their total number of releases is 94. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Wow. They have quite the catalog. That is six studio albums, one live album, Two compilation albums, 11 music videos, some with songs not released anywhere else. Six EPs, 25 singles, 21 B-sides, nine reissues, four cassettes, and a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) Well, hot diggity damn. (laughs) Yeah, that's excessively more than I ever thought. (laughs) Fair. That's crazy. Well, there you have it. I win! Woo! (laughs) So I'm going to be guiding us through the land of Pokemon Red and Blue next time. Brian, the loser, still has the WB channel in his pocket. And now we need to visit the old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, to get Paul a new topic. Well... While Adam readies the hopper, I want to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. Did you ready that hopper for me, Adam? I did. Okay, good, good. I, I hate writing it myself, so I, I appreciate you doing that for me. <laughs> I, I fill, filled it up with gas, uh, make sure the rotors were working properly. Oh, wow. That's quite the hopper. See, I was picturing like the old uh, like NBA Hamster draft. Wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the NBA draft <laughs> hopper with all the little papers folded yeah. in there. Um, anyway, um, so for those of you who have never played this game before, uh, what's going to happen next is I'm going to give Paul... Three different categories. Each category has an assigned topic that will be a mystery to Paul until he selects the category he wants, in which case I will tell him the topic and that will be his assigned topic for a future episode. How does that sound, Paul? I Do I have to answer in the form of a question? Um, you can. <laughs> All right, it's let's do forbidden. this. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> All right, so the categories are TV series... Food and beverage, or video game? Oof. I always want to go TV series, but I don't know if that's the best choice. What was the last food and beverage we did? Was it Gushers? I think it was Gushers. Hmm. I did Gushers and it sucked, so maybe not Gushers. <laughs> um... <laughs> I like video games. We haven't done... Well, we got... No, because then we'll have two video games on the table. I'm going TV show. It's my happiest place. Oh, I think you're going to be happy with this selection, too. You have selected Saban's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Really? Oh! Yeah. Nice. My notes are already done for that. (laughs) Unfortunately, I shredded them because you chose Modest Mouse, your favorite band. No, I I just just paused too long. I didn't mean for all this to happen. (laughs) Um, 
Well, there you have it, folks. Be sure to check in next time when Adam talks about some old school Pokemon. And then in future episodes, I'll be talking about the WB channel. And Paul will be talking about the Mighty Morphin Go-Go Power Rangers. Thanks again for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And if you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've got mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwbackion. It's going to be a thing. I love that word. It's catching on. It's catching on. It's a a thing. (laughs) We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash dating ourselves podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at dating ourselves podcast. And we do the Twitter thing too at dated podcast. Hashtag throwback. That's right. (laughs) Let's make this a thing. Trending in the U.S. (laughs) And gold status in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be like a thousand in Canada, right? It's actually, we, we actually got that maple syrup certified in, in Canada. Oh my goodness. As long as it's not Nickelback certified. <laughs> well, we're really close to poutine certified. Ooh. There you go. I'm going to go eat some poutine right now. <laughs> and remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. Later, guys. See you. Bye. Bye.